Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. Of all the people in Scripture, with the obvious exception of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I am fascinated more than any of the others with the complex, complicated personality of David, the King of Israel. I wrote a book, a very successful book for us, a huge seller called David the Great. And uh, I have a very important announcement for you at the end of this broadcast about David the Great. But as I was working on that book, I was actually in Israel. I've been in Israel uh, nearly 50 times. And I was there at the Sea of Galilee. I had left my hotel, walked over to the lake, and I was sitting at a concrete outdoor picnic table working. I had the manuscript stacked up on one side, and I was just editing the pages as I went along. And I looked up, and there was a lady, an Israeli lady, standing across the picnic table from me. And she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm writing a book. She said, what about? I said, uh, King David. She stepped back like I touched her with a cattle prod, and she got a horrible look on her face. And she said, why? Why would you write a book about that bloody man? And she turned around and walked off. And I thought to myself, what a man. What a man. Que hombre. What a man that after 3,000 years, he can still make a woman that angry. Uh, I've, I've thought about it many times. What would make her say such a thing? Well, for one thing, David is a complex man, and he is a man's man. I, I think that the, that kind of personality can be uh, an irritant to some women. Uh, David was beloved of women, adored by women, but also I think there are some aspects of David's personality that can make him difficult for women, particularly more contemporary women. Beyond that, in a very real sense, she's right. David was a a bloody man. Uh, he, He lived his life in combat. But we must remember it was a an age of combat. Uh, there was no such thing as college professors. There, there were no, there were no uh, academic jobs. You were a farmer or a priest or a warrior. And David was a warrior. And he was growing up and living and leading in a warrior age. In that time, in that season of the world, the, the leader of a nation or a tribe or a clan was expected to be a warrior and to lead their troops into battle, to fight himself. And David was a consummate warrior. So he was, in a very real sense, a bloody man, one might say. Now, when we consider the beginning of David's life, he was born in a small village, Bethlehem, the same village where Ruth lived and the same village where uh, Jesus of Nazareth was born a thousand years later, a, a very important little village, but still it's important to us because of the famous people that were born there. But at that time, a relatively insignificant village in the tribal region of Judah. Saul was the king at the time that David was a small boy. 
and David's older brothers, seven of them, went to be in Saul's army. And David's father sent David to the camp, to the army camp, with provisions uh, for his brothers and for their leading officer. And when David arrives, this is the moment where this uh, huge figure in Scripture shows up, Goliath, this this giant uh, of the Philistines from the city of Gath, Goliath of Gath. And as David is there, a small boy, young boy, in the in the army camp, Goliath comes out and begins to taunt the Israeli soldiers. Send a champion out to fight me. We'll we'll fight whoever wins uh, wins the battle. No use for all these soldiers to fight. And that was a a relatively common thing in action combat that two champions would fight on the condition that whichever one won, his army would win. However, the fact is, it almost never worked that way. The champions would fight, and then the armies would fight anyway. But Goliath comes out, and and David is just amazed that none of the Israeli soldiers go out to to fight Goliath. And he says, why won't you go? What what comes of someone who beats? If somebody beats this giant, what happens? And they begin to tell all the things that Saul is going to do. Saul's going to let the winner marry his daughter. He's going to make the the family of the winner uh, tax-free and draft-free in Israel. It's a huge list of perks that come to the winner. Right at that moment, David's brothers show up, and they rebuke him. What are you doing? Why are you here? And David says, is there not a cause? There's a cause here, this, this giant. And his brother says to him, listen to this, His brother says, I know the naughtiness of thine heart. Now, what can that be about? It goes back to David's childhood. His brothers sense from the earliest time that there is something unique about David. Sibling rivalry is a real thing. And it was real in David's family. And as the youngest... That rivalry is very energized. They're nervous over him, his talent, his ability. And then they're not sure about these stories he tells. He comes in from the field and he says, a lion came today and attacked the sheep. And so they say, well, what in the world did you do? He says, well, I punched him with my fist and he, and he died. And they say, oh, sure, right. And then he says, the next day, a bear came. And they said, well, what'd you do? He says, I punched him with my little fist and he died. And so one can only imagine that at the dinner table that night, his brothers are laughing at him, mocking him, and they say, look, we know you're just making this stuff up. The next time you kill some great big horrible beast like a lion or a bear or something, you cut its head off and bring its head, and then we'll believe you. So they have this highly talented youngest sibling who has these stories of supernatural encounters and and military conquest, if you will, military at least in the sense of killing wild animals. And now he shows up at the army camp, and he's talking about confronting this giant. And they're angry. They're they're not going to go out and fight Goliath, but they they don't want David to do it. And I believe that they were suspicious nervous that he might actually win. Now, let me just give you a a lesson from the life and leadership of King David. 
there may very well be people, and they may be people that ought to love you and admire you and, and look out for the best for you, but there may very well be people near you who deeply, in their hearts, deeply envy you. And they do not really want the success that God has planned for your life. What David says is, there's a cause, and he ignores his older brothers, and he turns back to the issue at hand. That's what you have to do. Ignore those people that don't really want you to win. They don't really want you to overcome and find the destiny and the blessing that God has for your life. Ignore them, move past them, and be ready for the opportunity when God opens it. David was ready. Here's the opportunity. Here's the occasion. High risk. It's a high risk moment, but David steps into it and he says, I'll fight the giant. Now, when Saul finds out about this, that there's this young boy who's going to fight the giant, he brings David to his tent and he says, look, you're you're just a, a youth, you're a young person. You can't fight this giant. This giant is not only a, a giant, he's a successful and well-trained military man. And David says, look, I, I killed the lion, I killed the bear. This, this uncircumcised Philistine has taunted the army of God, and God is going to put him in my hand. And Saul then puts his armor, his own armor, on David and says, at least go out and wear my armor. And the armor of, the, of a great king, he's not Goliath, but we do know Saul was the biggest man in Israel. He was a head and shoulders taller than the next tallest man in Israel. So imagine some junior high school basketball player who tries to wear Shaquille O'Neal's uniform. That would just be ludicrous. He wouldn't play and he'd look silly. That's exactly what happened with David. Imagine Saul's sword is dragging the ground, his breastplate's down around his knees, and David says, this, this is silly. I, I can't do this. I will go against this giant with the instruments of warfare that God has taught me to use. Of course, you know the story. David kills the giant with uh, a stone from his sling. And then there is this interesting note. It says he climbs on the giant's body, uses the giant's sword, and cuts his head off. I always imagine that he holds that head up and turns to his brothers and says, remember you told me the next time I kill some great ugly beast to cut his head off. Well, here it is. From that moment on, his brothers are forced to believe that the hand of God is on their, their youngest sibling. Now, there's some great lessons for us in this. Let me just give you a few of them. One is, yes, if we were listening last week to the leader's notebook, yes, you wait on God. You prepare, you discipline yourself, you wait. But when the moment, when the opportunity of God comes, you have to step in boldly. When that moment comes, there's going to be risk. There's no great opportunity, no great adventure of God without risk. David knew the risk. Remember, he hadn't read the book of 1 Samuel but he has faith in who God is and how God has used him in the past. So despite the risk, when the opportunity comes, you step in boldly. The second thing is this. Use those weapons of the warfare which God has taught you. You have your own capabilities, your own talents, your own abilities. 
Don't let someone else try to force you into their leadership and life mold. You live and lead as God has taught you, trusting and faith in the, in the supernatural gifts that God has given you and in the natural abilities that God has given you. The third thing is this, and this may be the most important of all, stay focused. David wasn't distracted by the criticism of his brothers. He wasn't frightened by the awesome terror of this giant, and he wasn't distracted by the glory of the king. David stayed focused on the moment. When the opportunity of God comes, stay focused. Step in boldly. Use the things that God has taught you, and God will prosper you. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the Leader's Notebook for today, and I hope you'll join me for the whole rest of this series on David the Great. I want to tell you how to receive the book, David the Great. If you'll go to drmarkrutland.com, now through December the 15th, but right now here in October, this is the time to take care of all your Christmas shopping. Go to drmarkrutland.com, enter the promo code NOTEBOOK from the Leader's Notebook, NOTEBOOK2020. Put King David, David the Great, into your cart and then add everything else you want And I've asked my office to take 40% off the entire purchase, everything, and free shipping also. I want you to have this book, and I want you to have everything you want. Do your entire Christmas shopping at drmarkrutland.com. Let me say this to you also. I do not receive one penny. There's no smoke and mirrors. I do not receive one penny from anything that you buy on this website or any of the royalties that they're paid from bookstores worldwide, none of it comes to me. It all goes to the missions program of Global Servants, particularly our girls' homes, House of Grace, in Thailand and Ghana in West Africa. So I hope that you will do your Christmas shopping at drmarkrutland.com. Enter the promo code NOTEBOOK2020. Receive 40% off your entire purchase and free shipping. And may God bless you. This is Mark Rutland. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.